Welcome to the My Family Coach podcast. I'm Claire and each week you'll find me interviewing a guest expert to find out more about the tricky world of child behaviour, all in handy 15 minute-ish bite-sized chunks. At the end of each episode we'll send you away with three practical tips. It's perfect for parents, carers and professionals working with children. And if this episode leaves you wanting more, you can watch, listen and read our wide range of free resources on the My Family Coach website. I'm joined today by a good friend of the show, Dr. Claire Conlon. Claire is a doctor in clinical psychology. She completed her training and has worked in both the UK and Ireland for over a decade, providing support to parents around managing many areas, including working with children with neurodevelopmental conditions and anxiety. She founded the Caterpillar Clinic in 2021 and has a range of online programmes in these areas available on her website. She also provides parental consultations, therapy and assessment. And today, Claire and I are talking about ADHD and anxiety. And this is part one of a two-part bumper episode. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Claire. It's good to see you again. Thanks. Great to see you again. Yeah, it's great to have another little virtual chat. I really enjoyed our last one. So thanks for having me on again. Oh, well, you're friend of the show now, yes, Claire. Yeah, maybe it's, it might be the matching names. So I was just That's like, oh, it, we must yeah. get Claire on again. Yeah, yeah. And it was brilliant. I loved it. So thanks for having me. No worries. And I'm really excited about the topic today because we've had a few requests really coming through about the topic of ADHD and mm-hmm. things around anxiety. So I thought and we thought, why better than sort of merging those ideas together? Yeah. But before we get to the nitty gritty around um, ADHD and we'll go through actually what that acronym stands for yeah. and, and all of that. Uh, but just th- what about a bit of a, a book recommendation on this topic to start us off? Yeah, so I think one that's great at sort of helping us to understand a little bit of the science behind brain development in children, which I think is so important to understand that when we're parenting children of any age, um, is what's happening with the brain development behind that. So Daniel Seagal is a great person um, to go to for that. And his book, The Whole Brain Child, is just a brilliant sort of manual for any parent to have in terms of understanding brain development, because it can be quite hard to kind of really, especially put that into a small con. Uh, podcast to try and get the, the science bit um, you know out to, to parents it's so important to understand but he talks about it in such a, an accessible way I think it's good for parents to access that book. Absolutely and you were saying off air about the the YouTube videos and things that, that he has yeah. accessible as well. Yeah absolutely there's one even on it's called the hand brain it talks about the whole idea of just emotional regulation the kind of like you know very sort of um, old model that we have of the brain stem with the limbic system on top of that um, and what's called the prefrontal cortex and all your higher order kind of brain processes being on top of that again. And sometimes when we're struggling to be regulated, we have this idea of flipping our lid. The emotions are very dysregulated. We're finding it hard to integrate all our emotions, our senses, um, sensory needs go you know, to a place where it's very hard to regulate. And he's a great, if you even just Google the, the hand brain video, um, Daniel Seagal, you'll find that YouTube video, but it's brilliant way to go explaining that. Um, it's so nice to listen to as well. I know I was just I was saying or, or laughing to myself as you're doing all the mimes and the actions and I yes, on the yeah, podcast yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really hard to explain yeah. the flipping lid but we can exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to imagine me but if you watch the video you'll know exactly what we're talking about because um it's I think you know and this is this is something to bear in mind when we're, when we're working with children as well um the visuals he has in that video I, like as, as Claire was just saying there I'm doing it as I'm, I'm describing it and that's because it's 
he's allowed that to embed in my brain so easily by talking to me, but also giving me some visual information as well. That's helped me to understand and lay down that memory a little bit more. So um, I think anything that you have that helps you access that and provide that then for your children is really important. So definitely worth checking out. Oh, that's that's a brilliant one. And I'm sure parents, carers, professionals listening can Absolutely. can look that up. Yeah. I'm really conscious that I've used an acronym um, for the whole title of this. And actually, some people aren't aware of what acronyms stand for. So yeah. should we start off with what ADHD is? I know that is a massive question yeah. to start off with. But yeah. So ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. So it talks about basically a child having difficulties with processing Things like you know, regulating their emotions, um, inattention. So it's a child who's really struggling to pay attention to instructions, to focus on what's happening in the classroom, at home, even in social conversations. You might have a child who's quite hyperactive and fidgety. Not always. That's a, a part of um, a different type of ADHD that children might have. You might have children who are very sort of inattentive only and not that real hyperactive child. But in the hyperactive children, you might have children who just seem like they have so much energy um, and they're just constantly on the go all the time. Um, so it's a difficulty with how the brain is really managing all those things. A problem with executive function, you see working memory difficulties. Um, and it's something that a lot of children um, might have undiagnosed, you know, because um, sometimes they're just struggling and they're managing their difficulties in school. Maybe they're keeping it together um, and it's only at home that um parents are kind of describing these difficulties and um, especially with children who are kind of coping a little bit better from a cognitive point of view they're developing strategies to help them keep all these symptoms at bay so it's important to kind of really talk to um you know those people who are, who are around that child to figure out okay well how are they doing in school but are you seeing any difficulties is it as soon as they come home that they're they're struggling with those areas but it's a it's a massive area um, and it's one that once a child gets diagnosed, it really can help um, with the whole family. The child, obviously, uh, to understand what's going on with the family, um, the school, um, child care providers, everyone to understand. Yeah, it's a, th- those like diagnoses, if I think about the individuals that I've worked with in, in, in schools and in families as well, not having that diagnosis but as a professional or a, a parent carer having this this niggle this like feeling yeah. that there's yeah. something going on and when that person does get that diagnosis that understanding and that label can be so helpful can't it yeah so- absolutely yeah yeah it just helps everybody like like you said there you have parents who come to me and they kind of say look like school are saying he's totally fine or she's totally fine but this is what's happening when they come in the door and more and more like I remember when I began um, my even just training as a clinical psychologist you might see this discrepancy between what's happening in school and what's happening at home um, and you're like oh you know that's unusual um, and now we're beginning to understand that so much more I'm beginning to understand that so much more that there is so many children that are holding it together all day in school and just because they're doing that in school and they're able to manage themselves in school does not mean there isn't a difficulty there. Um, and I guess when we're talking about this topic, which is all about ADHD and anxiety, that's so important um, to just understand what's going on for the child. Because if a child is sitting there and they're going, why is this so hard for me? And I see John beside me and he doesn't seem to be struggling with these things. You know, what is it about me? When we start to understand what's going on for a child and a diagnosis may be part of that, you know, they don't have to have a diagnosis to feel understood. Um, I have a program on the Caterpillar Clinic that talks all about 
just parents trying to really get a good handle of understanding the child that's in front of you and that might be very different to their siblings because yeah. you know, even with the same genetics and the same parents you have two very very different children yeah. um but once we begin to understand who the child is um then we can begin to put strategies in place to help them to get the very best of themselves to understand themselves and if they can do that like any of us if we can understand what's going on for us and why we're struggling with the areas we're struggling with then we we don't feel as anxious we're like oh yeah i understand why that's there and that's okay that's just part of you know the way my brain works and the difficulties that i have because of that and the challenges i have um but also the many strengths and yeah. trying to help children to embrace that because um you know neurodiversity has so many um magical amazing things um that i think we're only beginning now to start to embrace it a little bit before it was seen as this oh god i don't know do, my child has this difficulty what am i going to do with this but now we know that there's so many benefits um to just understanding what's going on for them and just helping them to see the world in a way that works for them and to provide supports in their environment that helps them get the best out of themselves so yeah, yeah to you it is yeah. a, we we did an episode recently around um autism actually yeah. and a lot of that we were talking about celebrating strengths yeah. And, yeah. you know and and I think I'm thinking of it in, whenever you talk about ADHD I'm just thinking of one individual Claire can see me smiling broadly because yeah. he was an absolute gem he had so many difficulties in the classroom yeah but he was so quick um yeah. he 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 did have uh, traits of ADHD not yeah. diagnosed knows but the strengths that he had and when they were celebrated he did so well and he did really well at home as well when those strengths were celebrated but as soon as it was all focused on the negatives and the things that he couldn't do he struggled and his self-esteem was really low you see that's it and that's where the anxiety kicks in so like when we think about ADHD and anxiety like it's there's such a massive overlap and it's it's really hard to kind of nearly figure out even which which is actually leading to which you know if we're anxious and we're really struggling and our stress response system is activated. So our stress response system will be activated when we see that there's some sort of threat in the environment around us. Um, and when that happens, we're likely going to present as maybe inattentive, struggling with social connections because we're all in our body focusing on this anxiety that we're struggling with, managing the stress response system. We're going to be kind of um, more fidgety, more hyperactive sometimes. Um, you know, we're going to find it hard to um, organize ourselves, to plan, because we're struggling with this stress response system. So often you have a child who might actually be anxious and presenting with symptoms of ADHD, Mm. but it's the anxiety that's leading to that. And then it's the flip side as well. You have a child who has ADHD and they're struggling with following instructions, following direction, uh, picking up on, on what's happening in their peer connections because they're missing little bits of the connection and then they come back in they tune back into it and they see their friends have cracked up about a joke but they've missed it and why have mm. I missed it um so anxiety then begins to creep in so when we think about ADHD and anxiety we know that so many children um you know I think the research will settle us now about kind of three to four out of ten children will have an anxiety disorder as well as um, ADHD but from my experience working with children um, the anxiety symptoms would be present in so many more of those mm. um, because it's so hard to not feel anxious when you have those type of symptoms all the time um, in terms of the ADHD symptoms mm. that people would struggle with. And I think another thing as well is sometimes we, we kind of 
we're very aware of children who might have um, suffered a, a significant trauma, you know, a loss, a bereavement, you know, maybe they've been in a car accident or they've had a, a yeah. difficult or turbulent upbringing. We're very aware of the challenges that those children might have. And we kind of go, yeah, that's, yeah, I know that child's story. Um, that's been challenging for them. No wonder they're feeling a little bit um, inattentive or hyperactive or mm. anxious. So that's kind of the big T's, the big traumas as we might know them as. But we also have children who have um, suffered lots of mini little T's mm. throughout their lives that we might not necessarily be aware of. So they might have, you know, ongoing um, difficulties with belonging, with connection, with rejection, all because of ADHD symptoms that they're struggling with. So they're trying to connect with their peers, but they're struggling with it because they're struggling to keep up. They're struggling to pay attention. They're struggling with kind of even just in um, kind of blurting out things or um, mm. finding it hard to um, inhibit certain reactions that they mm. have, which then leads them to have a little bit of a difficulty with connections. And they can be little T's, so little traumas that a child is struggling with. And when any child has big T's or little T's, their stress response system is activated. And that we know when our stress response system is activated, that's going to lead to um, dysregulation. I know we talked about in a previous um, podcast, yeah. but a dysregulated system. And it means that those symptoms that we're um, suffering with in a dysregulated system, they're very like ADHD. So it's very hard to not have so much overlap between those two areas um, and to know which one is coming first and which one is the one we need to address more is it the symptoms of ADHD or the symptoms of anxiety? And often it's both. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I've seen a TED talk and many people listening yes. have seen by Dr. Nadine Burke around yeah. um, ADHD, but the some of the symptoms of um, big T trauma yes. yeah. uh, and a turbulent upbringing yeah. Yeah. make someone present in a way that, could be diagnosed with yeah. ADHD and it's yeah. it is really hard with everything isn't it Absolutely. To know what's driving what yeah 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 of course I mean if we think about it um you know one of the one of the take home points that I was going to talk about is um the very best thing you can do for a child who has ADHD and anxiety is work on being the person that helps them to be as regulated as they can be yeah. So it's trying to, again, going back to, to Daniel Seagal's talking about like the, the brain. And if if we're in sort of survival mode, um, we aren't able to um, work on our, our um, other parts of our brains, like our logical or thinking parts mm. of our brains. And the um, prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain at the very, very top, we know that that is something that children with ADHD, they're struggling to really activate that part of their brain. And if we're in a traumatized state or we're in a stress state, that just isn't working because mm. that's not part of survival. We don't need our prefrontal cortex thinking about logical things to help us with um, inattention, with, to help us with emotional mm. regulation difficulties. Um, we are surviving and we're either in the survival mode that goes way back to lizards or way back to mammals um, where we're just breathing and digesting or we're kind of at a low level of anxiety every day. That means we're just about, we're here, we're, we're present, we're kind of paying attention, but we're drifting in and out because we see the world as being a little bit threatening right now. And if you think about children um, who have gone through any sort of turbulence in life for whatever reason, um, the world can seem a bit threatening for them. They're maybe not always um, feeling connected to people or, you know, feeling heard or feeling listened mm -hmm. to. 
And that makes it so hard for them to be at a place where they're regulated and calm enough that they're beginning to regulate their emotions, pay attention mm-hmm. to instructions, be calm in their bodies so they're not needing to kind of fidget and move around and all this kind of um, um, strategies that they use to try and activate their prefrontal cortex. Um, so if we can be that calming person for them to support their relationship, then we are doing so much for that child because we're allowing the um, stress response system to regulate itself. Mm. And then we, we allow that prefrontal cortex or the higher order parts of the brain to just start to go, yeah, it's okay for me to kick in now because we're safe. Every, everything's safe here. And that's where the science bit fits in. And it can be hard to kind of get your head around that. But I think that the main take home point there is that if we are trying to work with an anxious child um, with or without ADHD, um, and I have a, an online program even on anxiety that talks about this in more detail on the Calvary mm. Clinic. But, um, you know, I think if we're trying to help a child with anxiety, it's, it's looking at the relationship first and foremost and how yep. can we allow them to feel this is a safe environment. So teachers in school, for example, if they're finding that there's a, a child or two in the classroom that they just, you know, I'm putting all these strategies in place that work for their peer with ADHD, but it's not working with them. Yeah. You need to think a little bit about how we can form a connection with that child, because it's possibly that the child is not regulated or, or um, feeling safe enough. And it's mm. not, you know, any, anything to do with blame or anything. It could be just about the environment. There's too much sensory information coming mm. in. Maybe think about where they are in the classroom or either beside the revolving door of kids going to the toilet. Do they need to be somewhere else that helps calm down that system to keep them safe and keep them regulated? Um, and then they might begin to use the same strategies that work for their peer. Um, but it's all about trying to get at the anxiety stress response system and allow it to be as regulated as we can get it to be. That was part one of a two-part bumper episode. You can catch the second part of the episode with Dr. Claire Conlon's tips on the My Family Coach website. You've been listening to the My Family Coach podcast. Thank you for joining us as we lift the lid on the challenging world of child behaviour. Remember to subscribe to listen to all our episodes and there's heaps more helpful support for all your parenting needs on the My Family Coach website. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.